All right, guys. Bang, bang. I've got Will here. Will, I figured today what we could do is talk about information in this industry. And obviously, being informed, having knowledge, uh, having access to information is a very crucial part of being able to allocate capital uh, and do so intelligently and drive returns. Um, What do you use for information? Where do you find the information? What's kind of your daily process of staying informed? Very useful niche industry. And and with that, there's a lot of noise out there. And so I definitely think it's it's really important to make sure that you're using trusted sources of information to navigate these markets, uh, I think we can kind of boil down uh, each kind of category of information into uh, newsletters, uh, Twitter accounts, call it, uh, research firms, as well as uh, data providers. So uh, whichever one you feel like is kind of best to start with, we can we can dive into. But why don't we start with things like newsletters and, and what I'll kind of consider maybe more internet native type information? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a ton of both free and paid uh, newsletters out there. Um, things like our newsletter that we do with eToro that goes out every week. Uh, be sure to check that out. Uh, we have our own kind of native uh, reflexivity free newsletter that goes out every week. Uh, firms like Blockworks put out weekly newsletters. Uh, you have one. Uh, Galaxy Digital also has some great information that's out there. Uh, Arc Invest also puts out a ton of information. So uh, I would say, you know, there's there's a multitude of different you know research firms as well as asset management firms uh, that have their own kind of research firm. Uh, built into them. And so uh, a couple of those names, I feel like, are, are some of the ones that are uh, most useful to me. And, and I check on a, on a pretty frequent basis. And what are you getting out of these? Are you going and looking for like individual trade ideas? Or are you looking for just macro themes? Are you looking for specific data points? Yeah, I think it's a it's a combination of a bit of everything. You know, each each different kind of research firm focuses on different niches. Um, there's also different you know, gaming newsletters or DeFi newsletters. Um, there's a little bit of something for everybody. And so I think it kind of depends on uh, you know, what you're most interested in, and you can kind of curate your feed uh, accordingly with those things. Uh, but what about you? Um, I don't subscribe to one and read it religiously. I think kind of what I do is I scan them all every morning. I'm signed up to a gazillion. Um, and really what I'm looking for are uh, unique ideas or things that uh, I've been meaning to research. And so I either want to see somebody went and did a bunch of work and they did the research already and how can I learn from them? Uh, or two is, oh, well, I haven't heard anyone talk about that X thing. And then I'll, I'll go and I'll read it. Um, but I would say, I don't know, maybe I only read 25% of the newsletters I receive every single day because I'm just looking again. I don't want to have the news regurgitated to me. I don't want to have the same thing sent over and over again. I'm looking for unique ideas. Um, and those tend to be where a lot of the value is. Yeah, for sure. And I think that kind of segues into the, the second category, which is different Twitter accounts. Um, for better or for worse, Twitter is uh, kind of the best source of information for all things crypto. Uh, we kind of dealt it crypto Twitter. I'd say it's probably the largest uh, subset of, of um, fintech, at least, uh, that at least is, is kind of the most active. You've got everyone from individual traders to long-term investors, uh, kind of everything in between. And so, um, you know, through Twitter, I think if you're, you're able to kind of follow the right accounts, you can also do things like create lists. You're able to curate a, a pretty strong feed of, of individuals that uh, you respect their views and, and are pretty high signal. And so, um, you know, entering crypto Twitter for the first time, it's difficult to kind of filter through the noise. But I think after you know being pretty active for you know call it three to six months, you start to kind of pick up on um, you know who who's a uh, higher signal than others. I think you could say uh, one other kind of nugget I think that uh, was, was useful for me is I'll go in and not only try to find people that uh, I think are you know very smart and and, and very sharp, um, but also try to look at who do they follow, right? So instead of kind of identifying, okay, this person is smart, you can go in and say, 
all right, here's where they're pulling their information and aggregating their information from. And you can kind of basically go down the rabbit hole of continually branching off, uh, going, you know, deeper into, okay, well, who do they follow and, and who do, who do those people follow? Uh, and you can kind of go down, uh, the, the rabbit hole there, especially as it pertains to kind of different verticals of the industry. Yeah. It, see, I have a little bit of a different strategy, which is I follow a ton of these people. Um, and again, uh, I, I almost want to find topics. So rather than people, I'm, I'm like looking for specific topics and then I'll just do a bunch of searching and I'll try to find people who are talking about it. I'll try to find the threads. I'll try to like really go deep on a topic. Um, but what you need is you need a really good uh, kind of very wide net to cast in terms of looking for those top line ideas to go and kind of do more research on. But if you think about, you know, Twitter obviously is a, a fantastic place to, um, you know, kind of scroll in your feed. But if you use it more akin to Google, sometimes you actually can surface all kinds of really interesting information. Um, and then that's where I also find a lot of accounts that I did I was previously unaware of. So if I'm searching for something and then all of a sudden I see an account and I, they pop up three, four or five times across different searches, right? Oh, they are talking about things that I'm interested in. Maybe I should be following them. Yeah. Using some sense. I think uh, one other thing to mention as well is you can use the Twitter search function and um, you know, if, if you use it the right way, uh, you can use it as a, a pretty interesting tool. So for example, you know, you could type in individual takers of different assets. You could type in, you know, keywords. So maybe recently you wanted to look up, um, things that pertain to the ETF. So obviously, you can just type in ETF or, or Bitcoin ETF and see some of the top posts there. Um, but also, if you're looking at kind of more, you know, far tail assets that maybe aren't getting a ton of coverage, you can type in the, the tickers or uh, the name of, of the projects associated with uh, the, those tokens. And so that's another thing that I'll do is kind of, you know, type those things in and, and kind of see the, the plethora of different types of information that are out on those things. And when you think about uh, maybe data, like, where are you going to actually get data itself? What, what websites are you going to? What products are you using there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the, the crypto data uh, space is still pretty fragmented, but um, there's, I think, a, a couple uh, really high signal data providers that I look at. So we can kind of compartmentalize this into uh, a couple different categories. The, the first one I'll kind of call fundamental data. So this is looking at um, you know, fundamental health metrics of the Bitcoin network and other you know, protocols throughout the crypto industry. Uh, one of my favorite data providers to look at this type of information is Glassnode. Uh, so Glassnode has all the fundamental data on the Bitcoin network, everything from hash rate, active addresses, uh, you know, transactional activity, basically all these kind of primitive data points that you know, basically signal to you that the network is still functioning. Uh, as silly as this sounds, if you go back to uh, the end of 2022 when every, everything was blowing up, um, you know, maybe you just needed to uh, check uh, the block height just to see that blocks were continually pumping out to, to know that uh, although there was a ton of craziness in the infrastructure around Bitcoin, uh, the network itself was continuing to function just as, as it always has for the last 15 years. Um, another platform that I really enjoy looking at is um, a platform called Token Terminal. Um, so these guys provide a ton of standardized information on uh, a ton of projects outside of, of, of Bitcoin. Um, and basically, they try to use some of these traditional financial uh, frameworks of, of, of information, things like, you know, P.E. ratios or revenue multiples, all these types of uh, different readings to kind of gauge the health or, or valuation of, of some of these protocols. Um, they also do some kind of uh, standardized financial reporting for, for each of the different uh, protocols as well. Uh, so I, I very much enjoy uh, checking out their platform. Uh, and then another kind of subset of, of information is what I call kind of the derivatives. Uh, data providers. So, you know, the, the most liquid product uh, in the Bitcoin market is something called the perpetual swap. 
So these are basically not expiring futures contracts that are pegged by something called a funding rate. Um, and given the, the ability, uh, well, A, the kind of, you know, uh, very low friction to, to get access to the products, but also ability to get access to very high, cheap leverage. Um, these are very attractive products for a lot of people that are looking to speculate on crypto assets. Uh, and so I would say there's there's a few names that really stand out. Uh, one is Velo. Uh, so Velo data provides a ton of information on perpetual futures, uh, quarterly uh, futures, as, as well as uh, the options market, and then just kind of general market structure information like geographical trade, trading premiums, um, you know, information like the uh, grayscale premium or discount. Uh, another one I really like is Coinalyze. So Coinalyze really focuses on uh, the future side of things. I would say they probably have the most uh, depth in terms of um, the amount of pairs that they offer. I do like Velo in terms of how easy it is to navigate relative to Coinalyze, but Coinalyze has been around for a few years and is pretty widely trusted by the community. And so they'll always have a, a special place in my heart. Uh, I guess the last kind of category is what I would call on-chain data. Um, you know, given the kind of transparent, immutable nature of, of blockchains, and in particular Bitcoin, uh, we can track all the different flows of funds in a ton of unique ways that aren't possible in traditional finance. Uh, I'll go back to Glassnode as, as one of my favorites there. Uh, Coinmetrics is another good one, uh, as well as uh, I'll toss in Nansen. Uh, I think Nansen's interesting in terms of um, some of the kind of granularity of, of the labeling that they have. Uh, so as opposed to Glassnode, which is maybe kind of higher level, um, you know, looking more, more kind of fundamental data, um, also looking at things like maybe the amount of supply that hasn't moved in a certain period of time, uh, flows from like aggregated cohorts of, of uh, different subsets on the network, like miners or, or whales or shrimp, uh, they haven't perhaps outside of exchanges gone in and labeled individual wallets. And so uh, that's where Nansen's pretty interesting. So on Nansen, you can do things like uh, track individuals or track uh, different hedge funds that maybe you, you feel like are uh, you know, have a very high hit rate and are kind of worth following their movements, or maybe they're a very large holder of a token. Uh, and if you, you know, find a, a holder or entity that has a very large portion of, of the supply of a certain asset and you start to see them selling, well, you know, maybe that's, that's something that you want to track in regards to uh, entering or, or exiting a position in, in said asset. So uh, that's another one that, that I think is really interesting. What about you? Um, I like casebitcoin.com. Um, it's got a whole bunch of stuff like all pre-programmed in there. Um, coin market cap, obviously. Uh, Velo, uh, a huge fan of what they're doing, and and you spend a lot of time helping them try to build that. Um, but I would say uh, Glassnode as well. Uh, you know, a lot, they got a lot of charts on there um, that I'll go and I'll kind of check periodically. Uh, but it's pretty much those four. I, I don't really go um, outside of those four, and and some of it is. Uh, when it comes to data and narrative, like I think of the newsletters as narrative, I think of obviously the data providers as data. Um, you don't want too much of either one. So I kind of want a healthy mix, right? Like I want to understand what some of the the underlying data is suggesting. Uh, but then I also want to understand what the narratives are. And this industry more so than most, narratives really drive a lot of uh, returns and kind of directional movements of assets. And so you want to uh, have a balance between the two. And so whether you're you know spending 50% of your time reading newsletters, Twitter, et cetera, uh, and 50% of your time on data, that's probably a healthy balance. What, what other uh, outlets or, or uh, different types of information? Um, yeah, I would actually also say that maybe perhaps counterintuitively, I also like to track what's going on kind of in the mainstream uh, uh, mindshare, I guess you could say. So, you know, one interesting thing from, from last cycle for all the kind of speculators out there uh, was to follow, frankly, TikTok trends. So, you know, if you were pretty early on in identifying that there was, you know, a large kind of 
uh, uptick or, or kind of momentum on on social such as TikTok for assets like Dogecoin or or SafeMoon or some of these things. Perhaps you you could have been relatively early on uh, kind of realizing that a lot of retail investors were, were piling uh, into some of these assets, and then also it gives you kind of a good sentiment gauge um, for you know kind of uh, the perception of some of these assets. So you know, a very good example is if you take uh, Coinbase, the stock, um, at the end of, of 2022 into the beginning of 2023, uh, a lot of traditional financial publications were coming out and saying, is, is Coinbase going to go bankrupt? Um, and that was probably a pretty good sentiment gauge of, you know, where Coinbase was from uh, kind of the uh, pricing standpoint or evaluation standpoint. Uh, and then you fast forward to about a month ago, um, as Coinbase put in a local high around uh, 180. Uh, you started to see publications from the traditional financial world come out and all of a sudden say, uh, there's one that had a headline saying, uh, is Coinbase the next Amazon? Right. So you, you kind of compare the sentiment of, uh, you know, is, is Coinbase going to go bankrupt to is Coinbase going to be the next Amazon? Uh, and then overlay that with, with perhaps some of the you know fundamental data that you look at or price action, things like that. You can kind of construct somewhat of a uh, kind of picture as to you know where perhaps an asset is trading and maybe how locally overvalued or undervalued it may be. Now, one other aspect that I think is um, unique is the degree of not only aggregate number of podcasts, but also the quality of those podcasts. Um, you know, I, I think podcasts obviously have had a massive rise over the last five, 10 years in general in society, but specifically in this industry, there's not very often that you get some of the top uh, investors, top capital allocators, top uh, builders, entrepreneurs, et cetera creating this much content that can be easily consumed for free uh, by the public. And so it's kind of a unique aspect of um, this industry. And so I think leaning into it, really kind of capturing the value of it's important. Um, you know, there's a, there's a couple of really interesting um, podcasts that, that stand out to me. I'll give a shout out to the Blockworks guys. I think they do a really good job. One of my favorite podcasts is Thousand uh, X. Uh, that's hosted by Avi Thelman from Golden Tree. Um, and this guy named Jonah, who used to work at uh, Cumberland, um, they basically walk through kind of the, the state of, of the market from uh, perhaps an institutional asset uh, allocator's perspective. They also have a, uh, another subset of their podcast network called Bell Curve um, with the two guys from Framework, um, Vance and Michael. I, I very much enjoy that. Um, and they also do a, a weekly roundup with Mark Yusko, uh, who obviously you know very well. And uh, I enjoy hearing Mark's thoughts as, as kind of a, an overlay of the traditional financial world uh, with the crypto world as well. Uh, and then I'll also, you know, give a shout out to your podcast as well. I think it's all right. Uh, and then for the kind of more Bitcoin centric people, uh, there's Peter McCormick's podcast, uh, Preston Pish's podcast, and a couple others. Where um where can we send people to find you on uh, on the internet? Will uh, you share a ton of great content and uh, would want to get as many people following you as possible? Sure. First of all, uh, be sure to check out Reflexivity's Twitter. It's uh, Reflexivity R-E-S. You can check out uh, check out my personal Twitter at W Clementi I-I-I. Awesome. And uh, I'm just at A Pompliano on Twitter as well. So I always enjoy talking to you, Will. We'll definitely do this again in the future. Thank you.